Hello, welcome to Intimate Discourse. My name is Jason. This episode, Introducing the Band, was recorded in Toronto on March 13th, 2022. We want to thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to the show. My name is Jason, and I'm here with Dimitri. Uh, this is our, uh, you know, our new show, our um, our premiere episode, and we just wanted to talk a little bit about uh, in this show why it is that we want to do this in the first place. Um, there's a lot of different podcasts out there, and there's a lot of different um, places to people that people can go for um, for news or for you know information or you know even just to share ideas and, um, you know, we, we sort of asked ourselves what, you know, you know, what made us want to start doing a podcast in the first place. And, um, you know, it, it had been sort of something that we both flirted with for, I think, a few years. And um, it was really the last, you know, the, um, the epidemic or the pandemic. Um, that has been really the thing that was the prime motivator to get something in, like things, you know, have been getting pretty crazy and sort of continue to be um, modestly insane. And we want to um, sort of jump into the fray and sort of, um, you know, figure things out, like figure things out, I think, you know, in combination with people that might listen to us or even if it's just the two of us talking together, figuring out like what is the best way out of this? Because right now, um, you know, there's a lot of crazy stuff going on in the world, and I think uh, <clears throat> we want to um, sort of help uh, help find help find answers in some way. So that's basically what this this we're hoping that this podcast will become. We still don't have a name for it, um, but maybe we will by the time this goes to air, and maybe I'll just edit this part out. Um, uh, to start with, uh, I'll say. Um, the thing that sort of made this whole idea of um, feeling like I needed to do a podcast, um, uh, the thing that really drove it home for me was uh, sort of a, a fight that I had with my dad. Um, and when I say fight that I had with my dad, it was a very, um, you know, the, 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 the fights that we would have are, are pretty mild by comparison, I think, what most people would think of it when we fight. Uh, my dad is a fairly easygoing person, and um, we had for a long time, um, you know, the kind of relationship where, you know, we disagreed on a lot of things, um, but we would have very respectful conversations with each other, and we'd have, um, you know, I guess debates uh, to, to some extent on various issues, and we would usually fall on different sides, but we could always sort of come to an understanding, and um, I think it would... Um, it always seemed to sort of work out in the end and we'd go for a beer and like blah, blah, blah. Everybody was, everybody was happy. But uh, over the COVID pandemic, things got a little bit crazy. <laughs> yep, my dad and I had always been uh, uh, the type of people um, that would, uh, you know, we'd go, we'd go out for beers, we'd, we'd talk politics and we're both pretty into politics, pretty into like current events, the news, history, stuff like that. A lot of our conversations would, um, over the years, um, get to be... You know, they're fairly rich with, you know, I, I always found myself like learning something from them at the end of the day. And I always, always felt more, um, 
you know, like I understood the issue more comprehensively because of his input. And, uh, you know, I hope he did the same for me, but maybe not as much, but it was, um, you know, I was also, you know, a kid for a part of it and I might, I, I just wasn't as wise, um, <laughs> to say that I am now, but it, I do feel like now I can at least bring something to the conversation or a perspective. But why can I, yeah, yeah. why, um, what do you think has changed now that has made it into a different, like this, um, amicable sort of disagreement? What has happened now that has changed it fundamentally to be able to disagree with people you love the most who mm -hmm. brought you onto this earth. But now this schism is just so huge. Yeah, you know? it's, it's a good question. I asked myself this and because it's, it's a, it's a massive fissure. Like mm -hmm. it's, it's not, uh, it's not like it's, um, well, we agree to disagree and let's go have our, uh, mm -hmm. have our beer now. Um, it, it was, uh, I think, probably started, uh, you know, around the time of Trump. Like, I think when Trump got elected, it became, you know, it, it was just, and, you know, some of that was Trump, some of it was just his, like, his personality, and some of it was the media reaction to that. And whatever the case, this sort of maelstrom of, like, um, just polarizing opinions seemed to be bouncing around every space. And it, it, it certainly found its way into, um, you know, I, I found myself at the time getting more and more um, skeptical of what I was hearing on the news and well, in the media. It's almost like Trump was sort of such a <clears throat> polar counter reaction to the mainstream narrative yeah. that people found themselves either on completely one side of the uh, schism or the other side and that sort of middle ground where people could find some overlap just completely collapsed. Yeah, right, right. You know? where I never felt such a divide between left and right or, you know, different, this different just change of thought in general. Like there was no, very little room for middle ground. And if you were in the middle, you're considered to be kind of wishy-washy and hadn't thought clearly about the issues. Right, right. And if you had thought clearly, you would have picked one side or the other side and that's it. Yeah. yeah. And it, it's an easy, he's an easy figure to be polarizing about because he comes, well, he is a very bombastic kind of guy and he's like, comes off as arrogant, he comes as sexist. Like there's a million like negative adjectives you could ascribe to him. Yeah. Um, but you would get people, you know, uh, like, I think the argument on one side would be that, well, yeah, he is, but he's also a real person, um, which is almost doubtful in some, to some capacity, but it's like, you know, a lot of politicians are like this sort of have the same, um, characteristics. They're just, it's not as visible or it's not as, um, you know, it, does it make the, does it make Trump a, you know, and I don't want to go down a whole thing with Trump. Like I, you know, and to be clear, like I was never a Trump fan. Like I always thought, I think that his time in, in politics, they really took down the office of the presidency. It mm -hmm. took down the respect of uh, America abroad. Mm -hmm. um, Could but that taking down the respect of the uh, establishment, let's say, including you know, whether it's regulatory bodies or the White House itself, also be part of where people no longer can... Uh, if you're not going to respect the presidency, maybe people aren't going to respect each other's personal opinions on the street anymore either. Like yeah. Respect in general yeah. has just completely faded. Yeah, yeah. You know, because it's one thing to meet a jerk on the street and disagree or whatever, but then you're like, okay, but this is a doctor, this is a PhD, this is a president right, of right. America. Yeah, there's a yeah. certain level of respect. But when I don't know, and when all the priests have been caught doing something, next thing you know, you don't want to respect the church or maybe anything else in society. Mm -hmm. Like everything just crumbles from that point. Yeah. Like every culture needs its narrative, and when you start to blow these um, foundational pieces out of the water then you're left at the dinner table with your own family not agreeing. Yeah, you know? that's a good way to put it, actually. When the, when, when the fissures are run so deep that you have, um, you know, the president of the United States, you know, uh, just being such a, such a, you know, again, polarizing figure where, you know, um, 
you know, the things that he's saying and the, you know, like he's just not doing it the way that people used to do well, it. And they're supposed to be of a higher mind. Like it's one yeah, thing for yeah, us to yeah. sort of, you know, uh, be belligerent with somebody, you know, yeah. uh, your family member. There's no filter because you've known them for 40 years of your life. Yeah. He, but when you hear the people in power talking the same way, mm-hmm. then all sort of uh, civility and conversation just erodes. Yeah, he, he sounded yeah. like the sort of uneducated jock in high school who was just kind of like running his mouth off and you yeah. just kind of roll your eyes and be like, okay, Donald. Or everybody's crazy uncle. Yeah, or everybody's <laughs> crazy uncle. Um, but, and, but that being said, you know, in terms of like, you know, if you strip away his personality, like he was in power and his administration did do some positive things. Like, you know what I mean? So it's, it's, it can't all be bad. And, and I, the media narrative was that it was all bad. He was, you know, a Russian agent, all this stuff. Like it was just so out of control. He could have cured cancer and they still would have found negative about it. Or even when the, when the vaccines came out. Was it Kamala? I'm not taking it if Donald Trump says it's good. Yeah, right, right. Wow. Yeah, that's horrible. Now, now mean, she has to run around and say, you better get your vaccine or you're going to lose your career. Yeah, right. You know, so now so now people are like, what the hell am I supposed to believe in? Yeah, that's a good point because it's it really, uh, you know, you have on the one hand, Trump denigrating the office by his behavior. She's doing just the same yeah. by denigrating, you know, because she's showing a lack of faith in yep. everything, in government, in the process, and the democratic process. The very institutions that he is saying are going to create the solution to the problem, she's denigrating them. Yeah. And then when she's in power, she's like, no, these are fabulous and you must take them. Otherwise, we're going to have all these repercussions against you. Yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah. So, you know, I I mean, and uh, I I think the polarization started there. I think the media found a bone they could latch onto, you know, the sort of dying media. They were already sort of on their way out. And it was like, Trump was almost like incredible to me how they used to bash him because he was really their meal ticket for so long. Like, and they were in the Donald Trump bashing business. And And CNN is in the middle now of downsizing. They're in huge financial trouble. Their numbers have never been lower. Yeah, Yeah, because Biden doesn't go around, you know, I mean, he has his own moments, but like. You can only watch Sleepy Grandpa for so long. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) But uh, yeah, I think the polarization started there. And the fact that I wasn't just bashing Trump along with everybody else, because I, you know, I. It, it really makes me suspicious when I see CNN or CBC. Like, don't forget, these are the networks that would, you know, yeah. went along with weapons of mass destruction in Iraq. Like, you know, yeah. there's there's constant, like, lies being pushed. And, um, you know, so when they're saying, you know, when you hear them saying all these things about Trump and then you're sort of reading deeper and being like, well, actually, he, uh, you know, he did, um, you know, they'll, uh, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, this is. I can't think of something off the top of my head, but like, uh, you know, a a lot of sometimes he would say something and, uh, you know, you would, you would hear about it on the news and then you would fact check it. And it's like, oh no, he actually didn't say that. Or he, they, they took his clip out of context where he said something. It's like, well, actually what he said in context did make sense. Just by nature, when, when something goes all in on one side, I get very skeptical. Because nobody's inherently very like 100% evil, 100% good. Yeah. So they're just telling you this person is 100% evil. Every single thing he touches, does, administers, talks about is wrong and uh, antithetical to what America is all about. Like that just can't be the case. Right. So now I got to deal with the idiocy of Donald Trump, but also with the perceived, you know, what are, what are, what is the truth that's being thrown at him and not truth. Yeah. Because it can't be all just the way they're saying it. Yeah. And then you end up in the middle somewhere, which can be a political faux pas, because then you're back into the center again. Everyone's like, well, what do you mean? Pick a side, man. You got to, you know, you got to right, choose, right. choose your master. And um, that, that hollowness, that hollowing out of the middle has never existed in my lifetime. Right. Yeah. Usually people gravitated towards the middle and flirted with the edges. Yeah. Now we're picking the edges and flirting somewhat with the middle. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 
Yeah, and I think, um, and, and I want to get more to that later because there's like I, I do think that that's kind of crucial. Um, uh, so coming back to you know the the whole polarizing force of Donald Trump, I think it was where the whole fissure with my dad began, and um, you know uh, it was sort of paralleled in Canada with um, Trudeau, and you know I was never a Trudeau fan from the get go, mm -hmm. and. Um, you know, and I'm happy, you know, maybe we'll have another episode. We can just get into just a big, long I, I was, Trudeau bashing. I was very optimistic I, initially, yeah. you know? Yeah, I, there was maybe a moment of time where I was like, you never know. Yeah. But he really started, my initial impression of him was was negative. And then I was kind of like, give him a chance. Like, don't be, um, like, I didn't vote for him. Well, but he I, is but, certainly the most unqualified person to ever take office. Yeah, yeah. From an academic and for sure, scholastic yeah. Uh, occupational point of view, yeah, like it's yeah. really like having the babysitter take over the country. Like it's he hasn't done much of any notable, yeah, thing whatsoever um, before he took the office. But I was going more in the spirit of: is he a good guy? Is he got strong morals? Mm -hmm. Is he going to try to heal some of the division that came out during Harper? Um, and uh, of course, at the time we were dealing with you know radical Islam and things like that, and it was right, very right. testy. I'm like someone in the middle might be exactly yeah. the recipe we need emotionally at this point yeah. in time. And then hopefully he would surround himself with very qualified individuals, and you got a running team. Yeah. You know that that's okay. That's an okay um, platform for me in order to build your your party off of. Yeah. But the Huffington Post ran a, a 2014 story at the time. We'll, we'll get back to your dad in a sec, but. I remember, and it just kind of resurfaced. Is Don, is is Trudeau in the 2014 a dictator? Because he was mandating that everybody on the Liberal Party must vote for, uh, like, pro-choice. And if you didn't, you're off his team. 2014. When did he come into office? 2015. Oh, I see. I, I think see. So okay. Summary that the article I believe came out 2014. Yeah, yeah. And so even the Huffington Post, which is very left of center, it was mm -hmm. like. How can you tell your own party members how they're supposed to vote? And yeah. if you don't vote this way, you're off the team. Right. That should have set off red flags. Like, what is this man's true nature? Is, is he the healer I was looking for? Or is he sort of a sheep in wolf's clothing? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it's um, wolf in sheep. Clothing. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but either way. Yeah. Uh, you know, I will do a lot of that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, that's interesting. I think in retrospect, it's 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 easy to kind of look back and you can always find somebody and, you know, Huffington Post, that is interesting because it's, you know, they are very, I would think they would have been his biggest cheerleader, but um, that's interesting to, uh, to hear that. Um, I think, you know, as the years went on with, with, um, uh, with Trudeau in office, like, um, and, and, and things would come out like, you know, I just even the, obviously the Jody Raybould thing was, um, y you know, I, the fact that my, my dad was still sort of, uh, I wouldn't say cheerleading him, but he was a liberal party. Mm -hmm. and, I, and by the way, you know, getting back to what you said, I do think I agree with you in, in that, like at the time when Harper was sort of in his final years mm -hmm. was, uh, there needed to be some sort of a change. Like it was getting a little stale yeah. and, uh, you know, and I think that he Overall, like if you look back, he did a pretty good job. Yeah. Um, but it was you you could sense that there needed to be some sort of a change. Mm. And uh yeah, maybe Trudeau at the time it seemed like a breath of fresh air. Like um, but uh because you know, we're all we're still relegated to, you know, like I mean you could say, oh well, we have more parties running than just Democrats and Republicans because we're in Canada, but it's uh not much more. Like it's like and nobody really realistic. Like yeah. uh Oh for sure. No, Trudeau is sort of one on a de facto, there was no strong competition. Yeah. But yeah. if there it, I don't know if it pertains to Trudeau or his or his uh, 
those around him. But I th- there's a certain amount of like emotional intelligence. I think he has. He can read a room. He can read a vibe. Yeah. Maybe it's when you're on trend and you can just see where the world is going and right. you can just kind of see the arc of time unfolding yeah. in front of your eyes. And there was that one commercial where I think he was lead- he was losing to uh, both the NDP and PC party in the polls when they first started campaigning. Mm-hmm. And they had one very famous TV commercial where he was walking up the escalators that were coming down. And as he got to the top of it, he kind of said, we're all about change. We're going to do things different. And mm-hmm. the metaphor of walking against the right, escalator right. going down and Trudeau being sort of very physically active and a dynamic kind of person. Yeah. Just really, I think that really, and he said, no, we're going to spend money and go actually a little bit into deficit because we need to build the country forward. And I think that resonated. I think people got tired of the penny pinching a little bit and whatnot. Right. Unfortunately, no. <laughs> yeah, they had yeah. no idea what a spendthrift he was. Yes, but. yes. So that might have been fine in normal times, but that personality trait throughout the pandemic has created the greatest debt we've ever had you know, yeah. in the country. Yeah, and... Um yeah, that's interesting. I don't, I don't know the commercial you mean, but uh, or the, but um, it reminds me of the Donald Trump coming down when he announced his presidency, like that kind of thing. Where it was you know, impactful. there are strange parallels, I think, to Trudeau and Trump, where they were both elected mostly on their superficial features, right? Yeah, for, for different reasons, we're a different country from America, but both neither were like a deep man's thinking's position, right? You know, sort of thing. He's like, yeah. I like the vibe, I like the energy, I like the direction, I like the, uh, the sort of image the person portrays, yeah. that's my gut feeling. You know, that's my alpha male, let's say, or alpha female, you know, whatever. But in the age of Putin and dictators around the world, I think every country was looking for their own dynamic leader right. to match up. And when you were to put Hillary versus Putin versus Trump versus Putin, a lot of people instinctually are just going to vote for Trump because mm-hmm. they see the matchup as a better for their side rather than Hillary. Yeah. And I yeah. think the same sort of thing with Trudeau. Yeah, I mean you've only got two choices, so it's it really does become um you know unfortunate. Like it, but but that's uh it becomes a lesser of evils in many ways. And I think like, you know, a leader is first and foremost a, a symbolic, you know, figurehead. So like you don't necessarily even have to be like a deep like you don't have to be it was like Joe Clark or like, yeah. you know, the um who's the other one? Stefan uh what is it? Stefan who's running for I remember when he won and he was a big environmentalist mm-hmm. and I was like, I, I even at the time I was like, you know what? Good. I hope this guy like mm-hmm. really like, this was in, I think the mid two thousands. Yeah, I think I was gone. Cause I remember the name somewhat. Yeah. 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 But he, it's just, he couldn't, I mean, he was just had the charisma of a dying turtle. Like mm-hmm. it was like, there was no, um, uh, you know, anything he lost, he got like voted out the next mm-hmm. year later or something. But you know, th- those were people who probably had a lot better ideas. They just didn't have that magnetism that you yeah. get in like a Trudeau or a Trump. But, you know, magnetism only you know, sort of gets you so far. Um, especially in a crisis. Especially in a crisis, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you kind of want somebody who knows what they're doing. And the whole thing with, um, you know, Wilson-Raybould where, you know, um, I, I, you know, I would say like, look, like I, I told you, this guy's a, a kind of a tyrant. Like there's a lot of things he's doing and it's like, you know, my dad would sort of pass it off like, um, you know, it's like, well, you know, every there's always corruption. You know what I mean? There's always something. And there was a thing with uh, SNC-Lavalin where yeah, that huge. whole thing came around uh, around the same time. We, and it's like, yeah, we, there, oh, yeah, yeah, a lot of things like that. And um, For only a five-year period or so he's been in, he's won three elections. There's a lot of scandals. Yeah, five, yeah, six yeah, years yeah. now, yeah. Yeah. But, um, you know, and it was, and um, yeah, like I said, like, he, it wasn't like my dad was an apologist for him. Mm-hmm. And he sort of recognized the whole situation. He's like, look, I'd rather him still, it's the liberal party, I'm voting for this and that. And it's like, okay, fair enough. But, you know, um, 
it's just that some of the stuff was really, some of the stuff would get really bad and it really sort of, you know, and then, you know, get later in when the pandemic started and there's, um, you know, things just kind of went off the rails. And like, I remember at the beginning of the pandemic, you know, I, you know, I was one of the first people, like I would follow the, that little chart that when it just was in China and I was like watching the numbers and I was like, Oh, cause it's like, you know, all those end of the world scenarios There's are just like fascinating. High, sc- to me. high scoreboard. How many yeah, deaths do yeah, we have yeah. today? How yeah, many exactly. Let's and you watch would, the numbers go up and look yeah. to see if it went to another country yeah. and then would go to Italy and you're like, Ooh, like what's, mm-hmm. you know, and then, you know, when it started, when it came here and we had our first case in Toronto, I stopped taking the TTC. Mm-hmm. I started, I was like, you know mm-hmm. what? I don't want to be anywhere near this. Yeah. I don't know what's going on Us with it. Too. And, yeah. and, you know, I was like, everyone was kind of like, Oh, what do you, uh, you know, I, I would get a lot of like, sort of eye rolling behaviors if I was, you know, a germaphobe, which, mm-hmm. you know, to some extent, I guess I am, but, uh, I didn't want to be anywhere near it. And I, I think that's in retrospect, funny that, you know, it's almost like the opposite reaction I get now when I talk about these things, but we didn't know what it was. And it was like, um, well, I would say you were ahead of the curve. You were ahead of the curve in terms of being proactive. You saw things coming. I was the same. I was wearing gloves outside because it was more contact based and we didn't know, yeah. you know. Uh, definitely gloves at, uh, while pumping gas, you know, sort of thing. Right. Yeah. Uh, by late February, March 1st, you mm-hmm. know, I just had a lot of, you know, latex gloves around. I'm like, I'll just put these on. No problem. I don't know what's going on. Grocery shopping. Let's put some gloves on. It was all about the gloves the first six, eight right, weeks right. or so. The the masking didn't come <laughs> right. in until like April, May, June at some yeah, point, yeah. you know. Well, because um, I think it was contact. A lot of people thought it was, you know, you'd get it from picking up. Yeah. I remember sterilizing my groceries like oh, constantly. Yeah, 100%. But also, to, to, I think then you're also ahead of the curve to know when the majority of the danger has passed now. Yeah. And science is, you're, you're, you're reading the science and your instinct and you're seeing what's going on number wise, mm-hmm. um, whether it's natural immunity and vaccine, you know, really, once you've got 80, 90% of the population vaccinated, which would have been in Canada September, October, November at that point. Mm, yeah. I would call it over. If not, you know, it, for all intents and purposes, it's over because we've done the major step. Yeah. Everything else would be sort of like small things to keep it going, you know, uh, a little masking perhaps here or there, going into a hospital setting, TTC, sure. Maybe 75% capacity, not 100%, sure. But to then have to go through a full lockdown after that while yeah. watching the rest of the world open up simultaneously yeah. was, um. so I just think to your point, I think you were ahead of the curve being proactive and you've been ahead of the curve knowing when the exit is nearing. Right. But yeah, some you, people have latched onto this so deeply, they just can't let go now. Yeah. Like we're almost, I would say we are adaptable to a fault. And many kids even are just used to wearing the mask now and feel almost like naked if they're not wearing it. Right. You know? Yeah, it's a weird psychological dynamic. Um, and to your, to your going back to your father and just sort of the, uh, trying to figure out... Um, why the difficulties are more now. If you were to ask your dad, dad, where do you fall on this topic? And have him answer it, it, it regardless of the uh, party affiliation. What do you think on taxation? What do you think on hospitals? What do you mm-hmm. think on university care? And then I actually measured that as a score. I bet you he wouldn't be as uh, positioned mm-hmm. where he's actually saying he's positioned. I think people just kind of inherently gravitate to a certain team and blow off a lot of these scandals and whatnot. But if you actually lined them up and gave it a sort of score, tabulated a result, he'd probably fall a little bit to the left of where he's saying or a little bit to the right, but not exactly where he's portraying himself to be. That's just familiarity and comfort, I think. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, um, you know, even before the vaccines came out, I, I sort of had my doubts in the in the sense that, you know, I, I've, you know, and I, I know how... Um, uh, um, 
this sounds very bumpkinish to say this, but it's like I've never gotten the flu and I've never gotten the flu vaccine. So I, to me, this is just another coronavirus. It's like, okay, I get that it's serious. Mm-hmm. And I get that I'm, you know, I'm, it's not like I know better than the doctors, but I know my body. I know what, you know, I know what I've done before and I, and I can read a risk. I can do a risk analysis of something. So it's like, uh, for me, I thought the risk did not seem that great. I wanted to, us to achieve herd immunity or if for some reason the vaccines were the spectacular thing and there was no dissenting opinions and it was just like, you know, um, then then maybe I'll get the vaccine. I don't know. But I, but it to me, it just didn't make sense. Like with my the risk profile and, uh, you know, given that I was of, uh, you know, sort of middle age or younger middle age and, you know. How no, dare you? You're thinking for yourself. I know. No comorbidities. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it just didn't make sense for me to get it, yeah. to put in something that was experimental and at the time. Um, and, uh, so, and, you know, I sort of told everybody that, but I guess the news sort of didn't percolate to to my dad because he, you know, he had his, uh, had a big birthday party on, uh, in 2021. And, uh, I sort of, you know, I was on the phone, like just asking what to bring. And I was like, oh, by the way, and like, you know, kind of, uh, a bit of a dick move to not sort of give him a heads up beforehand, but it literally didn't occur to me. I thought he knew. And I said, yeah, just so you know, I haven't been vaccinated. So I don't know if you want me to like, and, uh, and was this summerish 2021? Yeah, it was July. It's like the numbers are at very low levels. Yeah. Yeah. They were, Summertime. they were low. Yeah. And it was like, and, um, and to me, and it, yeah, I think the day, I think it was like, it could have gone both ways. Cause they, he has a big yard and everything. And it was mm-hmm. like, okay, it would probably be outside anyway. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, you know, no yeah. problem. Right. But then, uh, you know, then it was started getting cloudy. I'm like, well, just so you know, if it rains or whatever, we go inside, I'm not vaccinated. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, my, my girlfriend's vaccinated, like, mm-hmm. um, and you know, I'll wear a mask inside, whatever. And we got into this back thing. It was this whole thing. And it was like, oh, like, you know, why are you not vaccinated? It was just, and we started having a bit of a, a back and forth. And at this point I was, re, I was, you know, I was listening to Dark Horse a lot and mm-hmm. I was, you know, I was really kind of into, you know, I was like, well, why are they using ivermectin? Like, yeah. why is this not even being explored? And I was getting really skeptical about yeah. uh, the motivations behind pushing these vaccines and all the censorship on Google, uh, YouTube and everything like that. It was like, you know, this seems very, um, you know, if somebody's telling you, don't look into this, like, like we're gonna put this box over here in a corner. Don't ever open this box. It's For like, sure. well, I want to open the box. Well, like, it's a very similar energy. Once again, if you were say, you know, um, like you were saying before, the the news saying Trump was one hundred percent evil, and that was right, the only yeah, direction exactly. you could go. Yeah, just by by virtue of like not letting any wiggle room for some gray matter to appear. Yeah. Like I'm skeptical because nothing can be 100% one way or the other. Right. So then when all of a sudden the vaccines are safe and effective and Biden would be on TV, if you get it, you're not going to be spreading it. Right. You won't kill grandma and you won't end up in the hospital. Right. <laughs> and then you're watching the news come out of Israel and that by summer 2021, they're talking third dose. So and then I was like, well, wait a sec. They're human. We're human. They got coronavirus. We got coronavirus. Mm-hmm. So that doesn't jive with what Biden's saying because he's saying, you got your two shots, you'll be done. You're not going to spread it. But with very, very high vaccination rates in Israel, at the time the highest in the world because it was so early, mm-hmm. the numbers were still going up so much they needed a third dose. So like, obviously they're spreading it to each other. Yeah. So forget about this. I'm going to do it for the community because every it isn't like you brought over your cousin Seth to the bar mitzvah who's unvaccinated. In this case, you would be Seth at your father's birthday party right. and got everybody sick. That just wouldn't work out numerically. And if that happened, you'd be hearing about that all the time. Yeah. One unvaccinated cousin came over and kicked off everybody who was vaccinated. Right. That's what the whole point. They have protection mm, against yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So I'm like, just by sheer numbers at that point in time, just by sheer numbers at that point in time, um, uh, when 
even even if the unvaccinated person was spreading it more, they are vastly in the minority of the population in general. Right. So, you know, if they spread it at twice the rate, let's say, I'm just making up a number, but they represent 10% of the population, mm -hmm. that's never going to have an effect greater than the 90% are spreading it at half that rate. Yeah. Because they're in the 90%. Right. So I'm yeah. like, okay, it might have some mitigation and then it's waning and then you need a third shot. So for me at that point, it was like, I'm just going to play cautionary, yeah. precautionary based on health, based on community. I'm like, I don't know if this is the right move for everybody. Certainly grandpa, grandma, comorbidities, go for it. But to have this unfortunate situation where your father is sort of like calling you out thinking, you know, why didn't you get the vax? And then really your retort probably was, was, uh, why should I get the vax? Right. And these talking points he wouldn't know about because he's just sort of following mainstream, hearing the typical like Biden, get it. You're going. This is the way out of the pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, often as often happens, it sort of it almost comes back to the, the messaging and the media and, and stuff like that. And like, you know, at the time, you know, I, you know, we so we argued a bit then and it was uh, we both, I mean, I'll never forget his saying, like, like I follow the science, like literally, you know, saying saying that, which has become such a meme now. It's like, um, and, you know, when I was kind of, it's not like I was sitting there rationally discussing. I was angry, too, because I was flustered. I was like, well, I've just been listening, I just listened to this episode of Dark Horse. My God, like, don't you know what's going on? So it's like, there's, you kind of get both of that, right? Of course, like, of course. And there's no, that's not conducive to, like, having a real uh, dialogue. So I don't, and I, you know, there was some part of me that I'm like, you know what, I, I don't want to get anybody sick. And like, I don't, I don't know 100%, right? So like, I want to make sure I respect everything. So I wore a mask there and everything mm -hmm. like that. But it really made me think this is where like things have broken down. Like if mm -hmm. I can't, because I was saying, you know, I'm like, listen, like, like you're okay. You said you follow the science, but let's talk about the science. And he's like, well, you're not a virologist or you're not a doctor. It's like, I know I'm not a doctor, yeah. but like, you know, I can still, you know, read a read, you know, read things and listen to but other these doctors. Are, these are like, opinions from other doctors. Yeah. You know, like yeah. One yeah. doctor might say, uh, you need a hip replacement and we need to do this very, you know, invasive surgery. And you're like, I don't know. I'm going to ask someone else. Well, don't you just listen to that doctor? You're not a doctor, even though yeah, it's yeah, your yeah. hip. But wait a sec. I found another batch of experts. They may be in the minority, but they're yeah. well regarded and they seem to have a good effect. And then you have free sovereignty over your own body. Yeah. You pick the choice. So you far, go anyway. To. So far. Yeah. Yeah. That's a whole other topic. Like uh, how far, you know, can you mandate something on somebody's body when it's actually still disagreed upon so much around the world? Right, like, like right. a polio vaccine, you know, everyone's like, "Yes, polio is very dangerous, and this is an excellent vaccine." And we have like a ninety-nine point nine percent agreement amongst uh, the intellectual community globally. Yeah. But when you have this sort of um, gray zone, where maybe seventy-five percent of doctors agree in one direction, and twenty-five percent of the countries in the world and doctors are going yeah. a different direction, is that the level in which you can start mandating things? I don't know. Yeah. So that at that point that gray zone is where you find yourself with your father. Because you're not in a 99-1 scenario. You're like in a 50-50, 75-25% scenario. Right. But they're acting like it's a 99, like a sure thing. Yeah. So and, and so what I'm trying to say to him at this point is like, you know, I, you know, you, you're saying you follow the science. Okay, then let's do this scientific met method kind of, let's look at it as if we were, you know, using scientific method. Like, let's look at some studies. Let's compare that with the risk profile that I've assessed of my, myself and, um, you know, and look at the stats as to how many people are getting seriously ill, like based on their age and based on their comorbidities, et cetera. Uh, but he didn't want to hear that. And it's like, you know, never mind the, the you know, the censorship, the stuff about the VAERS database. Like, I didn't, you know, without even getting into that. Do you it's have like, any insight why he didn't want to hear it? I think, you know, I've asked 
I've asked a couple of people about this as well, and I think it's just overall people as they get um, people are from it depends on the generation that you're at and i think his generation is such that you could trust the media to some extent yeah. and the government to some extent sure. like um and you know they still had you know vietnam and everything like that yeah. so it's not like there's this blind trust but at some point you're like you have to um defer and there's some wisdom to this you have to defer to the experts so-called experts right and i and there is a wisdom in that i do get that like course, it's more yeah. you want a doctor making a decision over your health yeah. like you're not just going to go in you know and like you go in for treatment on something and you have like, well, I did all these Google searches. Oh. This is what I think you should do. If, going back to Vietnam, if you were the soldier, the individual uh, sovereign soldier, like, I think we should just go take this village. Right, I'm going. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and there has general, to be. It's like, wait a second, I've got a plan. It may not be yeah. the perfect plan, <laughs> right, right. but we should win yeah. in the end and there'll be some attrition along the way. But yeah. overall on a population national level, yeah. we'll win the battle. Yeah, it's right? like, yeah, yeah, and I'm a general, so I kind of <laughs> know what I'm doing to some extent. But it's, um, yeah, and I think, so I think there's some wisdom in that, but I think it's like we live in an age now where you have access to a lot of uh, different um, data that we didn't have before, and you can't kind of discount that. And we also happen to live in an age where, you know, I don't find, you know, politicians are not necessarily in the game for the right reasons anymore. And, and by politicians, I also would stretch that to be like, you know, the leaders of various governmental organizations sure, as well. Sure. So. Um, and I think, I think that between that and this kind of like media always on, like, you know, nobody wants to look bad. Everyone wants to sort of yeah. stick to the talking points. Like you, it's, it's become this cauldron of like, uh, potentiality for like just a bad sort of bad things to happen where bad decisions can be made and they can be amplified. And when you, it's like when you shoot for the moon, um, you know, if your calculations are off a little bit, you know, it might be off like a, you know, an inch or something like that, you know, because of the distance, you're just going to be way, you know, way off of your trajectory. Um, and, and it's kind of like that. So it's like, and I think that, um, it, it really pays, uh, you know, I hate using the word holistic, but it pays to have a holistic view of these kinds of things now. Like you have to get your information from more than one source. You have yeah. to question everything and you have to advocate for yourself. And short-term planning versus long-term planning. Like for instance, you might be looking out after your personal health over the next 50 years. Yeah. Whereas to be honest, I think the government's just worried about, oh my God, our civilization nearly collapsed. Right. Right. What do we need to do to get to the next fiscal quarter right right, <laughs> right? right. Now, this vaccines will get us that quarter some people most people will have a good experience with the vaccine some won't but that's acceptable yeah. losses we need to move on we'll deal with the losses as we go yeah but it doesn't really feel good when you're 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 thrown into that batch or told you're a bad person or you, you know you've had your two shots or third one and then you have a really bad reaction on an emotional individual level like i don't want to do anymore mm-hmm you know, yeah, and that has yeah. to be respected at a yeah. certain point. Like you're going to be on your seventh booster and be like, I, I think I need to stop. The last three really made me feel sick. Well, then I guess you're just an anti-vaxxer. Right, right, right. Where does this, yeah. the, the verbiage has changed now. They call me, you don't have your vax, you don't have it updated. Yeah. You know, yeah. so, um, uh, you know, they're trying, but this is very Windows-esque. <laughs> you don't have the newest yeah, yeah, update, yeah. you can't run the software. <laughs> What's the software? Yeah. Freedom. Why, you, freedom. you don't want to go to Windows 11? Like, yeah, yeah, what's wrong yeah, with yeah, you? Yeah, You've got yeah. the hardware, just do it. Yeah, you can, of course, you cannot upgrade, but you know, you know, this and that, right? So Right, right. So that's the scary part. I, I don't like uh, freedom as a subscription service. Mm, yeah, yeah, that's good. To, uh, you know, um, Brian Peckford was, is the last living signatory that's um, been, he's suing the government over the, uh, he's one of the last architects over the, uh, uh, the Charter of Rights and Freedoms. 
So he's alive and he's suing the government because like what they're doing right now is illegal. Right. So I don't know if it is illegal or not illegal. My point is, though, he's certainly a qualified politician, storied history of age now, living architect of the Charter Rights and Freedoms, big court case, not on the news whatsoever. Yeah, yeah, I, I, um, I know, I know who you mean, and I, yeah, it's kind of like having, uh, you know, in, in the U.S., like somebody who, um, one of the original authors of the, of the uh, Constitution, and and you sort of get into you'll because you'll often get into this interpretation game where it's like, well, that's not what they meant by you know freedom of blah 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 blah. Imagine and, George Washington taking the yeah, government to court. Yeah, this is yeah. not how we set up the Bill of Rights. Yeah, like, yeah, you whatever, guys got it George wrong. Washington, <laughs> we the people. <laughs> You're just one of many. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like so. My I'm, again, it's beyond my pay grade, but it should be talked about. And these these are serious issues, right? Yeah. Um, and I did see one speech of his, and it, there's many great podcasts of them you can find on YouTube and whatnot. Like you know, one, two, three hour long discussions. But he's like, these are your, these are not your familiar rights. These are not your provincial rights. These are not your country rights. These are your individual rights. Right. You know. And I think it's a way of speech that we don't even have anymore. Like your father, yeah. when he's talking to you in the yard, he's talking to you from a familial point of view, a group immunity, a group you know setting, right? Mm-hmm. Be like, yes, but as an individual, I don't wish to do this. You know, so yeah. you know, and that's that's where I think the schism. It's almost like it's conceptual. It's way beyond just w- whether it's a vaccine or not. Yeah, like, are you part of our tribe? Therefore, you must do this because the tribe survival matters most. Right, right, right. Which is acceptable way of thinking. If, like you said, the vaccine was of a certain efficacy and of a certain uh, prevention of transmission and uh, infection, which it isn't. Yeah. So, so you know, my dad and I argued then, um, and it wasn't just him. It was sort of everyone in my family. Like, and, and you know, I, I want to you know take this opportunity. Like, I'm not trying to bash my dad, uh, you know, or anyone. You know, it's yeah, like I, 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 um, I really think that the way I was talking to him, it's not like I was like, like some sage of wisdom and i and i said oh sit down let me let me explain to you like i've got some tea brewing like it's 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 very um you know i was like just as heated so and one of the the reason i bring all this stuff up is just to think like this is really the catalyst i think for me where i i thought like why can't i talk to my dad anymore like why can't we have this kind of discussion where we used to have and like we would take different sides of a debate and it would be like cool um yeah we'd figure it out like you know what i mean and uh, and i by the way is it because there's life and death involved have they, have the I don't think been so, upped, you know? because I even from the beginning of the Trump era, I would say mm. our conversations would end in this whole, you know, this thing where it's like, well, we, we have to agree to disagree. And it's this whole yeah. like, but it's not really, they're not, we're not agreeing to do anything. Like we're mm-hmm. just, it's just a way of saying like, oh, I don't we agree with it. you at all. And yeah. like, this is bullshit. But like, um, so I think that in um, in some ways, you know, it's um, it just this sort of amplified things with the um, with COVID. Where yeah, like you said, maybe there's life and death. And my dad's older too, so like I and I understand it from his perspective. I you know I was happy when they got the vaccine, like which is I hope I don't end up regretting. I of hope course. you know, yeah, yeah, me too. but like I was you know I'm like they're older. I'm I'm worried about them getting COVID course, more than I'm course. worried about me getting COVID. Course, so it's like. Um, but you know, in the end of the day, maybe that, maybe I shouldn't have worried that much about it. And maybe it would have been fine if they didn't get the vaccine, but no, like, anyway, nobody who knew. knows? Nobody yeah. knew. And they were certainly, my parents too. They're in that age bracket where you're like, you know what? Put your seatbelt on, drive slow and have airbags. You know, yeah, yeah, exactly. Whatever I can do to yeah, make yeah, you safe, right? For sure. Um, so this became the catalyst where I thought, you know what? 
I can't even talk to my dad anymore. What is happening in society that, because, and you would hear stories about this all the time, like people, you know, families, like dinner tables. Like, and I knew a few people who are quite a few people who are unvaccinated mm. and, uh, you know, we would hear the same sorts of things from their families where they would constantly be get, getting in, you know, fights at the dinner table, couldn't come over or whatever, I guess the dinner table in the garage or wherever. But, um, but, uh, it, it was like a national and international, uh, phenomenon. So, mm. you know, I started thinking like, how, how do I even communicate with, you know, everybody is so calcified in their like well, response to this. Did you hear that the Canadian military, it was in, I believe most major publications admitted that they had been using military grade psychological operations on the Canadian populace to test them out. Did you hear that? Uh, so what we've been under in the last 12 to 24 months now is a military-grade psychological like psyops in order to coax the population into a certain uh, direction. So your and your father and we're all subject to this. Has let's say you used to have reasonable disagreements, and now because of this, you're having unreasonable disagreements. And that's not the way your relationship was normally geared up. And that's where psychology is starting to take its like it's shaping the 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 bipolarness of the conversation with right. very little middle ground. And the fact that that can happen on a national level is scary enough, but now it's happening on a familial level. Right. Right. And so I don't think you can discount the amount of psychological pressure. Everybody's taken a hit during this time. It can be financial, relationships, occupational, and psychological. Yeah. Right. And um, I think that's what you're experiencing. And the only antidote to that would be just more information. But that takes time. Mm -hmm. It depends on who is giving the information. You standing in the backyard with a beer in your hand telling your father, I know about all these wonder drugs, right. isn't going to resonate the same way as coming from the mayor of the city and the chief medical officer and what's on the national news. You know, like at that point, your father, as much as he loves you, is going to be like, these people are getting paid big bucks right. to research yeah. this to death. And I love my son, and he kind of knows a few things, but... And then but shift not about back. this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but they're going to shift back to, you know, because nine times out of ten, that's going to be the right answer. You know, you're right. going to go with those who are the bona fide experts, right? Mm -hmm. And that's where, the, that's where the narrative, because, you know, it doesn't take much. You have elected, in Canada, we have elected officials, but they're now listening to science tables of unelected uh, yeah. scientists who are small in number and, um, and not taking in, as you said earlier, a holistic approach to society. So the politician, I would like to think, would listen to these medical experts regarding the, you know, um, COVID crisis, but also talk to mental health experts, economists, yeah. uh, spousal abuse, um, social workers and whatnot, and take a whole picture and figure out what's going yeah. on. That type of um, perspective has not been propagated in mainstream media whatsoever. It is simply, there's one problem, COVID, mm -hmm. and there's one solution, the vaccines. And any deviation from that is her like being a heretic. Right. You know, and that's where you get you get gamed into the psychological painted into a corner yeah. sort of thing. So like any animal, when you're stuck in a corner, that's when they lash out. Right? Yep. There's little wiggle room in the corner in the room anymore. You're painted into a corner and this is the only exit. And the messaging and you know, um, speaking about like a, a psyop, like the messaging is so consistent and so just mm -hmm constant um mm -hmm. that you, you 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 can understand where it's like any deviation from that is like 
Like, what are you talking about? I follow the science. Like, everyone follows well, the science. So you got to follow the science. Like, you've, you've seen the movie 1984. You know, you've seen the imagery. And when you have the big face on the screen bearing down, telling everybody the war on uh, Oceania is going like this. And we've always been at war and peace and whatever. And it's some tyrannical face. And as kids, mm. you would watch it going, well, obviously, like, who would listen to a screaming person just their one face talking on the screen with the same message day yeah. after day? But you turn on CP24. And then 75 to 80% of the screen is usually a single face talking to you, <laughs> telling the single message. Yeah. But you never thought it would be sprinkled with the traffic updates and the weather <laughs> right, going vertical right. and horizontal on the two yeah. bottoms and side corners. Yeah. But 80% of the screen is very much like 1984. Yeah. It is a single face telling you a single narrative day after day after day, right. sprinkled with some traffic updates and weather updates. And of course, you have other opinions and you have other narratives. And you have other people who are doing research that come to different conclusions. And that stuff is either ridiculed or it's, you know, it's shoved aside or it's, uh, you know, it's, uh, you know, demonetized, I guess. Like, you know, like if, if you can't, vocalize that anywhere or if when you do you're sort of you know you're castigated as like a like a fake news spreader or whatever or um an anti-vax or whatever the pejorative that you want to use to describe somebody like that it becomes very difficult you start to think like well do you want to spend your days like making a living and supporting your family or do you want to spend your days telling the truth which happens to be different than you know what um what's currently going yeah. being the, the messages that are currently being sent forth so like um you know, it, it, there really is like sort of a general narrative and whether it's like some sort of uh, conscious, like, you know, I, I don't know how much you, you were talking about the it being a military psyop to mm -hmm. some extent, mm -hmm. which, you know, but it's like, uh, is this, you know, even if it's just some sort of like um, uh, sort of, you know, almost like a, a communal subconscious thing where like, oh, the governments of the world have all agreed, like, you yeah. know, like Trudeau, for example, like, you know, I remember at the beginning, you know, I, I would question some of the, some of the, the, the stances he's taking, we started locking things down. He's like, well, he's following the health Canada protocols. And it's like, okay, well that's like you said, like that's one thing he should be listening to for sure. Like you want to base your opinion on the experts there, but there's other opinion. There's other like fields that you have to take into consideration as the leader of a country. There, and there was a country called Sweden, you know, right, a very right. serious country doing things in a different way. We had our live experiment happening right in front of our eyes. Mm -hmm. And of course, you know, these, these viral things come in waves. So you're going to sometimes be, you know, the, uh, you're going to be having more and more outbreaks and then lesser, depending on what mechanisms you're having and the weather and everything else. But um, yeah, there was the fact that like it was about one year ago now that we were all looking on TV, seeing uh, Costco had a thousand people inside, but the small florist down the street that has like normally right. like six customers a day had to be mandated closed. And yeah. every person at home is going, this can't be science. Right, can you right. show me how you can have, I can meet my parents in aisle 36 at Walmart, <laughs> right? But, but we can't sit at the dinner table yeah. with the window open in the house. Fine, I'll play ball. It's okay. And, and I totally did. I would give myself an A plus and challenge anybody on a personal level who did more over this period of time. Mm -hmm. I just hugged my mother for the first time on Tuesday after, since October, since Christmas 2019. Okay. But at um, a certain point, yeah, hand on my heart. I first, was sneak first hug. hugged to my mom. <laughs> we, we, we were both, <laughs> bang, it's like bang, a silent yeah. compact we had. That's wonderful. And I'm a little annoyed that I actually f was such a good soldier the whole time, you know. But there does come that moment where you have to like reconcile your actions with the data. Mm -hmm. And you can't just become habitual. 
You know, it's like it's like the masking. At a certain point, yes, my wife made over a thousand masks and gave them to family members and sold them at a very like at at a, at a loss. And we're just happy to hold you know, to help out. But there is going to be a point in the pandemic where we're like the efficacy of the mask in face of the Omicron is no longer uh, what it's worth. But why are they still telling us to wear it? Now it becomes more like a psychological muzzle. This right. is what the good people do. You know, this is how yeah. the, the intelligent <laughs> ones behave and act. Right. These are the conscientious people. And it becomes a self-propagating kind of new norm. You know, like this is, it's really like, this is, you know, it's like a, wearing a bicycle helmet. Do you think there's a cop hiding behind a tree every second that's going to give you a ticket? You know, yeah. but it becomes a new norm. It becomes ingrained in civilization. And I think that's the point now in masking that we're facing is that it's actually become the norm to be the person wearing the mask, the better person, right. the more conscientious person. That's where it becomes like a psyop. Yeah. You know, because that was not the original intention. And to sell it as anything more than that is not disingenuous. Yeah. So I don't, I, yeah. Um, I think that um, like podcasting is really emerging as one of the few mediums left to have conversations about this kind of thing with, uh, you know, sort of a community of people who want to hear a different side and um, want to sort of engage in that, like, um, you know, it's, it's, it's nobody wants to feel alone, you know, and they, like, so you could think, like, imagine there weren't any podcasts, well, imagine there weren't any, like, articles coming out, you'd be like, okay, I, this doesn't feel right to me, but I don't know, like, everybody else seems to be doing it. Like, like historically, you know, people would meet in the cafes and taverns and have mm -hmm. a bottle of wine or a coffee shops of Europe and just have intellectual conversations and overhear a conversation and join in and, you know, it was a... You know, or like in Europe, you also have, which we, we should have more in North America, like piazzas and squares right. where people would congregate and someone might start like speaker's corner, like um, talking and people would just listen. And the podcast, I think, is the single best method to do that because it's slower, takes more time. There's lots of room for nuance. And it really is um, the digital equivalent of the global village. Whereas when you watch television and there's money involved, power structures, um, subsidies by governments and narratives that have to be pushed... You're and, and of course, shorter time frames, you're not going to have the room for that nuance. And certainly mm -hmm. typing something on Facebook or, or Twitter isn't simply not going to give you the, the breadth of space to be able to engage with a person the same way. Yeah. So I actually think conversations like this are imperative to repair some of the damage that's happening within families and society at large. Because I overwhelmingly believe most people, the vast majority of most people, just want the best for everybody. They truly do. And... Um, that's not how the anger and the fissure in society is being portrayed whatsoever. Mm -hmm. The people on one side, you know, anti-maskers, really think they're doing the right thing for society. The truckers, this was like some of them were willing to die. That's how much they believe they're doing the yeah. right thing. You know, and the people on the other side think they're, they're doing the right thing too. And the only way you're going to get through that is long conversations. Yeah. You know, yeah. one neighbor to another. You know, in my business, I talk to a different person for an hour every hour, five, six days a week. And... Um, there's always a moment I kind of treat some of the information I know as like as a prescription, like how much can I possibly give them? Yeah. But I try a little bit to like just wake them up or nudge them. And certainly I'm more than willing to have it come back at me because the last thing I want are my own stale thoughts banging around my head. Right, right. That's growth. That's like watering a plant. Yeah. You know, and as long as you know both people are approaching it from a human kind, trying to solve the issue's point of view, that is what matters, not the actual information. Yeah. The information will sort itself out. The point that we're actually having this dialogue trying to fix it is the most important thing. The moment we stop talking to one another and just listening to our TV sets mm -hmm. is when it's the game over. 
Yeah, I agree. And and to some extent, we're all slaves to the algorithms, right? Like mm-hmm. we're all, um, we all have our little silos and we, we are reinforced by the algorithms always telling us what we should do. And, um, and prying the worst parts of our personalities to the most extreme yeah, forms. Yeah, for yeah. sure. And I, and I, that, that is, I mean, it's pretty clear to me that that's at least one of the major things that's happening and why we sort of behave this way. So it's like, like a good analogy with watering the plant. Like whenever I listen to um, a podcast or read or read a book, like a, like I find those two are very analogous in the sense that it's very like nourishing. Like I feel nourished when yeah, I'm doing it, sure. and um, and not everyone obviously, yeah. but it's like, um, but but it like if everybody did that and we could have conversations like this, it's like everything gets better again. You know, like uh, the sad thing for me, I would love to hear more information about why the stances and points of view I have are wrong from a well-balanced, calculated, educated, well-researched point of view. Yeah. Overwhelmingly, when I talk to people by and large in the regular world, and of course on TV, I don't get that. I just get very little cliche slogans thrown back. Do your part, roll up your sleeve, right. you know, yeah. take two shots and go to Aruba. Like, like it's, <laughs> it's just, <laughs> you know, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, shots and Aruba kind of go together, but maybe not in terms right, of uh, right. vaccines, no, you know? No yeah, um, but um, the, the fact that I'm not getting the nourishment back from the other mechanisms, I, I, I'm, I wish I'm wrong about everything. That would be the easiest thing in the world, you know? But I don't see the information to say that I'm wrong, hmm. right? Anywhere. And, and, and then you said your radar goes up, your BS meter starts ticking, Going, there's no way I'm 100% right, but there's no way I'm 100% wrong. The truth is in the middle, and I'm not hearing any yeah. any of my talking points, even 20, 25, 30% of them being spoken about in regular conversations, regular media. And the people I talk to are pretty open. Like, I feel like they, they trust me, the nature of my work and whatnot. I give them their space to be mm-hmm. them. You know, it's, it's what it's all about. So sometimes I, I get some back, but not nearly enough. So that's where then you start feeling like sort of like they've been like uh, damaged a little bit over the way and they're just reclusive. Yeah. They know it's a little bit like peer pressure. Mm-hmm. Like nobody wants to say they, um, you know, they, they like the top bands and do the top styles in their hair, like right. back in the eighties, you know, and this is, you must be on trend. And it's almost like information has to be on trend. Yeah. And if you want to deviate from that at all, be ahead of the curve or a little more niche here, um, you're going to be just ostracized like a high school. Yeah. And it's, 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 it's like intellectual, ostracization via peer pressure and lack of uh, well-balanced information. You made a, a good point the other day where you kind of likened it to, you, you know, the bands and like, which like liking the cool bands or yeah. whatever. And, and it's almost like this signal that, you know, at, when you get to a new juncture, so it's like, okay, things are sort of opening up now. Omicron seems to have really like, you know, finally sort of flattened the curve. Um, and you get people almost fishing for what's the next thing I need to, mm. uh, you know, cling to and, and sort of signaling, like, are you going to be wearing your mask like all yeah. the time? Or well, it's I like, get asked daily. It, it's, it's They're weird. They're testing I mean, me out. Yeah, like, yeah. You, I'm like, and I, you know, I come, I'm like, yes, I think the mask could have came off September, October, really, to be quite honest. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like the government is behind the curve, not going too fast. Right. That being said, I wore it no problem throughout the winter. I don't want to be all extra safe. But based, so even though I saw the data clearing up in September, October, okay, I'll give it a little extra time. Right. I feel like we've already used that buffer of time. Whereas most people are like, okay, here's the cutoff date, but how much buffer of extra time do I want to give it till I'm really right, sure? Yeah. Right. Um, 
you know, and so I made this point to my own parents. I'm like, well, if the government is usually behind and we should have done this then, then definitely you can take it off now because the government is usually erring on erring on the side of extra precautious and safety. Right. So if this is their cutoff date, it pro- you can almost guarantee it was safer two, three months ago. Yeah. So, yeah, I think, you know, as it, you know, taking all this into consideration, what, you know, and, and you know, my own experience, and I think some a lot of your experience as well, which we didn't really get to today, but uh, we can in the future, um, is uh, what we want this show to be about for the most part is to deconstruct arguments and to get I, what we need to abolish in this country and in, you know, the Western world is, um, you know, throughout the whole world, let me say that, uh, is uh, this idea where we can't talk to each other anymore. Yeah. Like we can't live like this. Like nobody can live like this. So let's start having conversations again and let's both, you know, both parties try to get to a point where they're just both seeking the truth. Um, I completely agree with you. And we'll get into that in the next episode, mm-hmm. but it's going to be a hard one because yeah. the authoritarianism and centralization of information and opinion mm-hmm. is really running opposite of democracy and individual points of view almost. It's a very strange energy these days. But that's why you, almost why you have to take a step back and look at look at an argument, uh, you know, any argument and say, okay, let's... You know, let's reverse engineer the argument. Let's mm-hmm. let's find out what it is somebody's saying. Somebody's telling me, uh, you know, you have to you have to get the vaccine. Why do I need the vaccine? Here are the mm-hmm. here are the statistics. Like, why why when I have a you know ninety nine point nine percent chance of survival and there's no real known major side effects. Um, you know, and people talk of this vague long COVID. Okay, maybe there's something like that there. But even still, I'm pretty there's a pretty good chance I'm going to be pretty okay. Or do I go with the vaccine? And you know what I mean? You, the, you get the, the, you have the risk profiles, you have the, the um, you know, uh, getting back to ivermectin, it's like... Uh, when persuasion turns to coercion, it's a failure of transparency and messaging. I think yeah. that's exactly the problem. Because it was a persuasive, like, get it, it's good for you until about June, tw- in the States, June-ish, because they were ahead of us, June 2021. Mm-hmm. And that's when it's, when they hit 50, 57%, and they noticed that... The average person is going to come out has now stopped. How do we take it from 50, 60 percent to 70, 80, 90 percent? Yeah, that's when the wheels of coercion kicked in. And that is a failure of messaging. And why do we have that failure? You know, why is there lack of transparency? Why does the FDA want to release the papers of Pfizer's data over a 75 year period? Mm-hmm. Red flags go off. Right. Right. Out of a base, if a person is on a side of precaution and they see that those who are administering the drunk drug are delaying the release of the information regarding this drug for a 75-year period, they are going to be naturally cautious going forward, right? Yeah. So that that's, unfor- that's to your point, I think that's the problem, is that it's switched from persuasion to coercion because of a poor messaging and transparency. Yeah. Yeah, and I think on that, we should uh, leave it for today. And, um, uh, you know, this is our first podcast, so I don't know. <laughs> We're talking to ourselves at the moment, but it's uh, been a blast. It has been a blast, and it will get better and better. And you know, this is how what it's all about: um, learning together, talking, uh, working it out, um, just always being intellectually curious and kind-hearted. Well said. Well said. Um, we got to think of a cool tagline um, at some point. Right now, we'll just say a very abrupt goodbye. Goodbye. Peace out. Peace out.